0: Pastor Adam here I'm so glad that you are tuning in to one of our powerful messages we believe will elevate your faith and take your life to the next level and elevate we believe that the Word of God is our blueprint and we build our lives on the truths found in God's Word we know that this message will help you grow in your walk with God and develop your faith so that you can become all that God has for you I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as we listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Good to be here every time I get up on this stage, but I really mean that today. It's good to be here. It's good to see all of you. Carrie and I are so excited to be here and be back in the house. We love you guys, missed you guys so, so very much. More than usual, uh, I will say. Um, I want to just... Before we, I want to jump into the message today because it's going to take me a little, I feel like today's message is really important and take, take me a little bit to develop it and help kind of get it all out. So I want, to, I want you to buckle your seatbelts, but before we do that, I'll give you a couple quick announcements, okay? First one is I want to be the first one to welcome Jet. Jet is in the back room. My grandson is here and the first time he was here, no one mentioned his name from the stage. And so I think it's, I think it's fitting that I get to be the one that does it. And so... I want to welcome Jet for his first time. Jordan and Gina's son, he's here at church with us today, and so I'm grateful about that. Uh, The other thing is, is yesterday, um, we had some evangelism teams go out on the streets uh, with Rich and Hilda, our our REACH leaders, and... they, they hand out a bunch of flyers to people who had been here or planning to come to our trunk or treat that's happening on Saturday. It's a big outreach that we've done in the past and we're, 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 we're getting it going again this year. We do need some candy donations for that. We're expecting a large crowd of people from the community and we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to bless our community. We're going to hook them up. And uh, so if you would, would be willing to help with that, the outreach is on Saturday. Next Saturday from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. I think there's a few flyers laying around here somewhere that you could get. Invite friends. Come yourself Bring your kids. We're going to have a great time uh, hanging out here. And we're going to use it as an evangelistic effort uh, for our community. And so we're going to have a great time with that. See Rich afterwards if you'd like to help and be a part of that in any way. All right? Uh, the other thing I want to mention is if you've brought a tither, an offering into the house, uh, we thank you for that. Every person that gives generously here on a regular basis, we, we couldn't do the ministry that God's called us to do without you, without your help, without your sacrifice. And so I want to publicly thank every person that gives. And today, if you've brought an, uh, an offering, you've brought your tithe to the house of the Lord, that's an act of worship. Anytime you present your offerings to the Lord and you bring your tithe, you're saying to God, God, you're first, you're most important. I treasure you above anything else that I could purchase with this money. You're 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 number one in my life. And every time that you give, it's an act of worship to your king. And so I wanna I wanna I wanna publicly thank you for doing that because that helps the church. But listen, you're the one that's actually getting blessed every time you give to the Lord. And so I just want to challenge those of you that never have done that, haven't learned to give, haven't put God first with your tithe and offering. Let me challenge you to do that. And I promise you, when you put God to the test, you'll see that he'll bless you more than you'd ever expect or imagine in, the, in, the, in, your, in your wildest dreams. God, God is a, he's a giver. He's a lover, and he, he, he rewards his, his kids, amen? And so give to the Lord this morning. You can do that with, with a cash or check and the envelopes that are behind the chairs, or you can give electronically. We have scan codes right here, our QR codes. If you scan that code, it takes you to our safe and secure way to give digitally. You can also find that on our app or on our website, amen? Thank you for your giving. We appreciate you. It's good to have John and Darcy back. Gosh, we missed you guys. We missed you guys so much. Man, that was too long. It can never happen again. Too long. It's so good to have you guys back. And so good that everyone is here today. I'm glad you're here this morning. This is going to be... Probably one of the most important messages I've ever preached, and it was at the end of the 830 service, I was, I was literally exhausted. My throat, my, my, I was just exhausted. I don't really know why, but I think there's something in the spirit that, 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 that has to deal with this message that, that's really going on. And so I, I really want to ask you to really lean in this morning. I'm going to give you a, a, quite a bit of information, and if you don't, if you don't really grab it at the beginning, it, it's not going to come together for you at the end. So I'm just going to ask you to, 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 to kind of lean in this morning. The title of this message is Israel's Promise. Israel's Promise. And um, the text that we're going to read, we're actually going to read it at the end of the, the message. But I'd love for you to open your Bibles and have it ready. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now I'll say this, I'm wearing the shirt today, I actually received this shirt yesterday from Save Our Allies. That is the organization that rescued Carrie and I and, and Carrie's parents out of harm's way. And it is a miraculous testimony. I'd love to share it with you today, but I've already promised the exclusive to the Street Gospel Podcast. And so I'm actually gonna be, gonna be sharing that whole story about our, our evacuation on the Street Gospel Podcast. And, and uh, um, actually, I feel like there's, a, there's something more important than we need to talk about anyways today. But, but I do wanna thank every person here for your prayers. I know so many of you were praying and, and, and were concerned about Carrie and I and our safety, um, and, and we felt your prayers, I, w- I will say this, and I, I'm going to tell you, God answered your prayers because w- the way we were evacuated is nothing short of miraculous. I, I will say that, and I look forward to sharing that uh, throughout my life because it's, 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 it's a story I'll never forget. That is 100% for sure, and, um, but, but I, I want to thank Tim Kennedy and save our allies. What a tremendous organization. I'd encourage you, yeah, I'd encourage you to follow them and their efforts. They're, they're on the ground. Tim Kennedy actually is on the ground in Israel right now, actively rescuing people. I've been in, in constant communication with Tim Kennedy's dad. And it's just been awesome just to kind of hear Tim Kennedy his story as a young man, as a child, grew up in church was actually prophesied over, and hearing that firsthand from his dad has been pretty pretty cool. So I don't know what's at play uh, with how this all thing this whole thing went down, but uh, I I, I just look forward to what's going to happen with all of these relationships that we've created. But but anyways, I, I just want to talk to you about uh, this message is going to be very important to me, and I think it's very important to you. And I think it's a message that needs to be spoken, not only here, but all around. I really do, and, and I know this isn't a message that I'm coming up with. It's a message that, that is really, literally, I, I, I've, I've been seeing people talking about uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. And so let me just get started by saying for the last eight months, Carrie and I have been looking forward to what we felt was gonna be a dream journey to Israel. It's a place that I've always wanted to visit. It's a place that I hope someday to take a tour from our church, so that our people in our church can can see this place. I recognize that after what we went through, many of you've already made up your mind. I'm never going there, uh, so I understand that. But but we were very excited to go there. And 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 here's the truth: when you look on a map, it's hard to find Israel, because in the scope of the world and how large the world is, this nation is so small. It's so tiny, you really have to, to know where to look to find Israel. It's just a little speck on a map. It's a, it's a nation the size of New Jersey. It's only 290 miles long and 85 miles wide. And, and uh, it's, it's so t- tiny on a map, but it's so large in significance for us. For those that love God, for those that believe in God's word, you know that the greatest moments in history took place in Israel. We celebrate the moments that took place in Israel because they've impacted our lives here today. And so I was so excited to go to this place, and I had already started to create a little bit of a bucket list of all the different sites that I wanted to visit. I wanted to go where Jesus was born. I wanted to visit that place. I I was excited to go to the hometown where Jesus was raised of Nazareth. I met a good friend there, his name's Simon, and uh, we hung out for a little bit, took a a picture together. And uh, I I wanted to see the places where Jesus turned water into wine his very first miracle. I wanted to go where he opened blinded eyes. He raised the dead. We went to the place where Jesus fed the 5,000, and there was this beautiful mosaic, an ancient mosaic that, that attributed to that, to that miracle. I wanted to go to the mountain of the Beatitudes where Jesus gave his sermon on the mount and picture that event as it happened in real time. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to walk around the shores of Capernaum. It's just a beautiful, beautiful area that, that sits on the Gal- Sea of Galilee. And I, 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 that's the boat that Carrie and I went on all alone. And we, we just pictured Jesus with his disciples and pictured Jesus telling Peter to throw his net on the other side of the boat and pictured Jesus calming the storm and pictured him even walking on water. It was on my bucket list to paddleboard um, uh, right there. And I did. And then Drew created that picture. So, amen. I wanted to go to the other side of the lake because many of you recognize that Jesus took a trip to the other side of the lake to go to the area of the Gadarenes where there was a demoniac that was living in the graveyard and we were able to visit that area and the graveyards there were caves and this mountain was full of caves and picturing Jesus flee, uh, free that demoniac and cast those, those demons into pigs and watch them kind of go off the side of the cliff. I wanted to see that for my, for my own I wanted to visit the the gates of hell in in Caesarea Philippi, and this is where Jesus would have asked his disciple, "Who who do you say that I am? And Peter would answer, I say you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, and Jesus said, and on that profession, I'm gonna build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. It was such an amazing revelation because the gates of hell is actually a physical place. That's a picture of it. And what was there and what we saw were ruins of ancient Greek temples. And this were areas where kings like King Agrippa and King Herod and, and Nero, these people had, these, these powerful people of that day had mansions in this area. And, and this picture is taken up at the what, what was called the gates of hell. And what it was was a temple full of sacrifices to those Greek gods. So there would have been sexual practices and all kinds of deviant child sacrifice happening right in the backdrop of Jesus saying, these gates. <laughs> the gates of hell is no match for what I'm about to build it's just kind of kind of amazing because because the disciples would have been looking at what was the most powerful things of their time the most powerful uh, um, principalities of their time they'd have been staring at it and Jesus said even this is no match and what's amazing is to see that in ruins and yet the church of Jesus Christ still standing so so amazing I, I wanted to go stand on the Mount of Olives I really wanted to stand on the Mount of Olives, and the reason I wanted to stand there is because it would have been the place where Jesus stood as he overlooked the old city of Jerusalem. It's, it's where he would have wept for the city. And right underneath it was the Garden of Gethsemane, and I wanted to visit that place. And it was amazing to look at trees that they estimate to be 2,000 years old, some that would have probably been there as Jesus prayed and 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 considered what he was about to do on the cross i wanted to go and walk the via dolorosa the via dolorosa is the is the is the path that jesus would have taken as he carried his cross for our sins i wanted to go to golgotha and golgotha would have been it's the it's the it's the it's the skull it's the skull and and you can kind of see the image of the skull, and Jesus is said to have been crucified right in front of this hill. I wanted to go to the empty garden tomb that, that held the, the body of Christ, and Carrie and I were able to walk in there and just, just try to surmise what actually took place in that place, and we did it all by ourselves. I wanted to visit the Western Wall, and I wanted to go there because it's the last remaining piece of the holy site where the temple was. And this is where Jews from all over the world go to pray. And I wanted to go there. You can see me there with my little white hat right there uh, looking at the Western Wild. What an, what an amazing place to be. But, but here's the truth visiting Israel, although I wanted to see all of those sites, it went deeper for me. Because the Bible doesn't start with Jesus, the Bible starts in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is God's story of bringing a Savior, bringing about a Savior to save us from our sins. And this is, this is, this is God's history of trying to establish a people and a nation in the midst of a barbaric world. It's, it's a barbaric world that God's trying to bring about a, a, a plan that would, that would usher in a Savior. And it actually started thousands of years before Jesus ever walked along the shores of Galilee. And that story began in Genesis, and it began with a promise. It was a promise of land, it was a promise of people, and it was a promise of a Lord. And so in Genesis chapter 12, is where the story begins, is where God appears to Abram. Now Abram is just a regular man, he's grown up in a pagan family, he doesn't know God. And so God introduces himself to Abram and this God that Abram has just met tells him I want you to leave your family I want you to leave your homeland I want you to leave everything that you know and I'm gonna show you a place I'm gonna take you to a land and so Abram by faith takes this journey that he's being invited into by God a huge step of faith and God led him to Israel Israel is where he led him to. And in Genesis 15, God appears to him again. And because he obeyed in faith, God unloads to him this amazing promise. He actually makes a covenant promise with Abram. And you remember some of that promise where, where he told him to look up at the stars in the sky and, and he talked about a promised blessing. And he po- promised to Abraham a piece of land. That would be his and his descendants. And through Abram, in that land, would come a group of descendants, and they would be a promised people. And in that promised land, and through those promised people, God would bring about a Savior and a Lord. And since that moment, since the moment that God issued that promise to Abram, that covenant promise has been under attack. And the attack has been for the land, the people, and the Lord. I think this picture that I have on the back wall is very fitting because it's a picture that Carrie took. And this is honestly, this is our last, this was on our last day in Israel. And we were making our way to the airport to leave the country. And meanwhile, so many were coming, uh, so many soldiers were, were going toward the fight. And so Carrie snapped this picture, not really recognizing what she was taking a picture of. She thought she was taking a picture of a soldier, but she was actually taking a picture of a soldier sitting in front of a mural of Joshua and Caleb bringing the grapes in from the promised land. And it's so depictive because what these people are fighting for today is the promise that God gave them way back then. And the truth is, the reason this land, its people, and, and the Lord are under attack is because that anything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. You hear me? Anything that God loves, Satan hates. Everything that is close to the heart of God, Satan seeks to destroy. And so the demonic war all throughout history is always around these things. It's always around the promises of God, the promised land, his promised people, and a promised Lord. And the question always is this, who's gonna take the land? Who are the promised people and who is the Lord? And so I love reading the Old Testament. And and the reason I love reading the Old Testament is because I was introduced to it, my dad introduced me to the Old Testament when when I was a teenager. I wasn't really saved at the time. But he, he, uh, through a series of events, he forced me to read a few chapters of the Bible every day and write a report on it. And he started me in the Old Testament reading about the, the, the people of Israel and how they would serve God and then they, and God would bless them and then they would fail and, and they'd serve other gods and, 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 they, and the blessing would be removed. And I, I remember reading through the Old Testament and falling in love with it because as I read through those scriptures and those texts, I realized there were so many parallels between Israel and myself. Like I could see myself in, in their story. And there's, there's always parallels, and you'll hear us preach and share on, on, on really every Sunday. We're sharing parallels between God's chosen people, Israel, and our personal walk with God, because they go hand in hand. Just like God's promise to Abram has been contested for 4,000 years. Just like God's promise to Abram has been fought for, for all of this time, Our promises from God also will be contested. Are you here 10 o'clock? They're going to be contested, and we're going to have to fight for the promises of God in our own lives. And so I was so excited to go to Mount Zion. I was so looking forward to going to the Mount of the Lord. I think I have a picture of it. It's a picture of the old city of Jerusalem. I was so excited. It's the next one. I was so excited to go to this spot. And you'll see where that, 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 that big dome is what people will think about when they think about Jerusalem. But I was, I was so excited to go there. Actually, let me, let me, let me go back. I'm sorry, I, I, I got ahead of myself. The promises of God have to be contested and fought for, for our own lives. And, and so it was fitting for me that while in Jerusalem, this is what we were seeing. It was fitting for me that the entire time that we were in this city, this this city was abandoned. It was under the threat of attack. We were hearing air raid sirens. There was smoke going off in the distance. There were bombs being detonated. Flights were being canceled. There was fear, palpable fear and anxiety and mourning. And it all surrounds this spot. Hit that next picture for me. And this spot I was so looking forward to going to. This exact spot, because this is the mountain of the Lord. This is the city on a hill. This is Jerusalem. This is Mount Zion. It's such a critical place. And I want to tell you why. Because this place right here, underneath that gold dome, is the exact spot where we believe that Abram sacrificed his son Isaac. And then God stopped him, and he named the place the Lord will provide This is the exact place that the Bible says that King David took the stronghold. It's the place where he danced with all of his might before the Lord as they ushered in the Ark of the Covenant and brought the presence of the Lord into this very place. Right where that dome is is where Solomon would erect the temple of God. It's where the Holy of Holies is. It's where the presence of God would have dwelt. It's also the place that Babylonians would come and they would invade and destroy the temple and destroy the city. But 70 years later, Nehemiah would come and begin to build those walls that you're looking at right there. He'd begin to build those walls again. It's where Ezra would return and begin to erect the second temple. And then 70 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, the Romans would come and they would destroy the city once again. And they would scatter God's people from Jerusalem all across the known world. Israel would cease to exist as a nation at that moment. But miraculously, just like the Bible prophesies, that God's people would be scattered, but 2,000 years, they would be regathered. And 2,000 years later, after World War II, after the Nazis and, 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 and the Holocaust, once again, Israel would be returned to this exact spot and be granted this land and to be a nation again. And that happened on May 14th, 1948. So throughout history, This, what you're looking at, this place has been contested, so contested. And so I want to try to explain biblically why in Genesis 16, the Bible talks about Abram and Sarah, and he's promised them a son. He's promised them a child, but they're struggling to believe for that promise. They're struggling to believe that God's going to provide a son that will create a lineage of people that would usher in the Savior of the Lord. They're struggling to believe that their seed would spread throughout the whole world and the entire world would be blessed because of their son, because they're, they're, Sarah's barren, and they're beyond the age of being able to have a child. And so as they wait many, many years for this to happen, Sarah finally devises up a plan, and she says, it's not gonna happen the way we think. Abram, the best thing for you to do is to take a slave as your, your second wife and create your lineage through her. And so she invites an Egyptian slave woman named Hagar into the home. And through the relationship that Abram has with Hagar, they birth a son by the name of Ishmael. God prophesies about this son. And says in Genesis 16, that this son of yours is gonna be a wild man, untamed like a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. Later, we know that God would fulfill his promise to Abram and Sarah and they also would have a son. And this son, his name is Isaac. And so now what you have is you have Abram who has now two wives and two sons and only one covenant. Are you with me today? And so thus began a conflict in Abram's home. And the conflict is this, who gets the land? Whose descendants are gonna be the promised people and from which side of the family is gonna come the Lord? And this is leading with great conflict inside the home. Why? Because the covenant promise that God gave to Abram, it flows through Isaac and not Ishmael. In Genesis 22, God instructs Abram to take his only son Isaac and make him as a sacrifice before the Lord. And so God's asking Abram to take the son of the promise, the son that was born as a miracle to his wife, his firstborn son, it's all foreshadowing the coming savior. But by this time, Isaac's a young adult. And so Abram's very old and so Isaac, this wonderful demonstrative picture of Jesus begins to carry wood up this mountain on his back up this hill, to a rock that would become an altar where he would willingly lay down his life. It's this exact spot that we're talking about. We know that God would would stop Abram from 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 fulfilling that 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 big ask, but we know that later Solomon at that very location, this same location, would build the the, the very first temple. We know that Jesus would also carry wood on his back. We know that he would willingly lay down his life and put to death in this very area, right here at this spot. But in 570 AD, nearly 600 years after Jesus has ascended into heaven, a man shows up on the scene, a guy by the name of Muhammad. And Muhammad begins to to tell about The fact that he's been visited by what he thinks is an angel and we know is a demon. And Muhammad begins to prophesy to the present world about a new religion known as Islam. And the essence of Islam comes from the prophet Muhammad and what he was shown by what we know as a demon who he said was an angel. And what these prophecies declared was that the Hebrew scriptures of God's word are wrong. And so he begins to prophesy that actually God chose Hagar and not Sarah, and that the son of the promise is actually Ishmael, not Isaac. Muhammad would actually take the scriptures in Genesis 22 and twist it. And he would say that Abram actually took Ishmael to be sacrificed, and that Ishmael was the firstborn son of the promise, and it would be Ishmael who would lay down his life for his father. So the religion of Islam takes the storyline of the Bible and twists it so that Sarah and Isaac are rejected and Hagar and Ishmael are accepted. And so that God's covenant to Abraham belongs to the descendants of Ishmael rather than the descendants of Isaac. And that the coming Lord is coming from the descendants of Ishmael rather than the Jews or the Israeli people. And so those who believe the prophecies that that came through Muhammad, they believe that this is our land. Are you following me today? They believe that we are the chosen people and that Allah is Lord and not Jesus, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so in 570 AD, right after this revelation, the Ottoman Empire took over this area and conquered it, and they built this golden dome, the dome of the rock, and that dome is built directly over the rock where we believe Abram was sacrificing Isaac, but they believe it's the place where Abram was was sacrificing Ishmael. And so for 4,000 years... The promise that God made to Abraham over this land and over these people and over the Lordship of Jesus Christ has been under attack. It's been attacked by the Egyptians. It's been attacked by the Babylonians, the Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, the Ottoman Empire, even the Crusaders who profess to be Christians. And you can fast forward all the way to current times where the Jews were scattered all over the world and still... And still that spirit sought to annihilate them under the the, the leadership of Hitler with six million Jews being being killed during the Holocaust. And you could take it all the way to where we're at today. And this attack that took place on October 7th was called the Al-Aqsa Flood. What's Al-Aqsa? It's the mosque at that very location. You see, the fight is always about who does the land belong to? Who are God's chosen people, and who is the Lord? What's crazy is that before I went on this trip, I'd gotten in several, like, not, not arguments, but dialogue with my dad about the end times. I had gotten really interested, in, and th- different thoughts were going through my head because I'd, I kind of just believed by default you know how this whole thing's gonna happen. And I, I wanted to find out and study for myself. And so I was kind of asking my dad, well, what should I do? And he's like, see this book right here? It's called Things to Come. This is an old book, okay? It's got 700 pages. And he's like, if you really want to study it out, this is the book you need to read. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, are you kidding me? I mean, I was kind of hoping at least the the letters would be big. But look at it. I mean, it's... (laughs) So I kind of made up my mind that once I got back, that I would take him up on that and begin to kind of look into the end times, and, and what we believe on eschatology, but not knowing that this trip would introduce me to a life lesson on end times prophecy. Now, I'm gonna say this. I'm not gonna to pretend to be any sort of a scholar on the end times. I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. But here's the truth. You don't have to be a scholar to put the pieces together. You just don't have to be. And so what we witnessed on October 7th was the invasion of Hamas terrorists attacking Israel. This attack happened literally 50 years and one day since the last time Israel was officially at war. It happened in Yom Kippur week back in 1973 where Israel was attacked by Egypt and Syria and other nations. This year, this time, this war looked a lot different because Israel was attacked by an Islamic terrorist group known as Hamas that live within the area of Israel, a place known as the Gaza Strip. So who is Hamas? Hamas is the Islamic political party of the Palestinians in Gaza. Who, Who are the Palestinians? Well, the Palestinians are descendants of Ishmael. This terrorist Islamic group is funded by Iran, who is also descendants of Ishmael. Who is Israel? Israel is the nation of people that was attacked. Israel is the lineage of descendants that God promised Abraham to come through Isaac. And so this battle between Ishmael and Isaac has been going on for 4,000 years, dating all the way back to the days of Abram in his home. And this attack that we're talking about was a despicable act of violence. It came by land, it came by sea, and it came by air. And it happened on Saturday morning and Saturday would have been Israel's Sabbath. It would have been a Jewish celebration, and it happened directly after a week-long festival called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And so Carrie and I arrived in the city of Jerusalem on Friday afternoon, and we were so excited to be there. We had an apartment that overlooked, and many of the pictures that you've seen overlooking the city was actually taken from our high-rise apartment. The doors opened up, and you could see into the old city. And we were, we, were, we were there and it was such a feeling of excitement because we'd walked where Jesus had walked and, and seen where he would performed his miracles. And now we were at the place where he would eventually give his life. And we were so excited to be there and visit this place. And, and so Friday afternoon, Carrie and I were like, hey, why don't we go walk around the city? And, and, and on a Friday night, Jerusalem is a bustling place. And the reason is, is because on that night at sundown, they're gonna pray and then they're gonna partake in a Shabbat meal. And it's a time where families stop everything that they're doing and they spend time together and they remember God and they pray and they celebrate and they feast. And then they go into a time of Sabbath where they do nothing. Everything is closed. Everyone is at home. No one drives a car. No one gets in an elevator. No one involves himself in any sort of technology. They're not using their cell phones. They're not doing any of that. It's complete shutdown from all of society. It's their Sabbath. And on that Sabbath, while people are sleeping, not, not accessing a technology, completely vulnerable, that while they're finishing a week-long celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, they're off work. It was that during that time, one of the most joyous celebrations in the Hebrew calendar it was at that moment that thousands of rockets began to rain down on Israel. This, this picture is what, was what we would see there. And while these rockets are raining down on this, on this land, grown men, Hamas terrorists, entered into Israel unsuspected. They were about 40 miles away from where we were staying. And these terrorists snuck into Israel and using ISIS methods. And you would be familiar with ISIS methods but doing, doing some of the most despicable or horrifying, demonic evil to civilians, to women, to children, to, to survivors of the Holocaust, to young teenagers. They literally went door to door. They raped and tortured. They beheaded and burned babies' bodies in front of their parents. They murdered entire families while they were sleeping. They slaughtered 250 teenagers that were, that were dancing at a music festival and left their bodies strewn all over an open field. And what's so crazy, how many, how many read our Bible reading plan? Let me see your hands. Those of you that read the Bible reading plan or have ever read the Bible in a year. The Bible in a year is something that, that, that's, that all across America, millions of Christians participate in. That Bible in a year that... All of us in the Bible reading plan were reading that very morning on October 7th. I went back to read what it said. I want you to look at what we read on the day of this attack, Jeremiah 9:19. 9, Hear the people of Jerusalem crying in despair. We are ruined. We are completely humiliated. We must leave our land because our homes have been torn down. For death has crept through our windows. It's entered into our mansions. It's killed the flower of our youth. Children no longer play in the streets. Young men no longer gather in the squares. And this is what the Lord says. Bodies will be scattered across the fields like clumps of manure, like bundles of grain after the harvest. And what we read on October 7th proved prophetic because we saw with our very own eyes exactly what was done. And all the while that this, during these atrocities, what's being declared and what's being shouted is, Allah Akbar, which is translated, our God is greater, our God is greater, declaring that our God is greater than Jesus, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I wanna read a scripture that you would be familiar with because the Bible tells us in Ephesians that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly realms. And so whenever you see things like we, we've seen over the last couple of weeks happening, what you need to understand that whenever there's a conflict in the natural, there's it's, it's an even greater conflict taking place in the supernatural. And when you hear our God is greater, you are hearing the declaration of a demonic spirit declaring lordship over God. It's, it's a de- demonic declaration against Jesus Christ and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so I want to tell you today, this is not a political war. This is not a social media war. All right? Like, like the world would try to lead you to believe. This is, not a, this is not a war for social justice. It's not what we're dealing with today. This is, this is, there, there are innocent victims on both sides of this fight, and we recognize them. But you need to understand that this war that we're seeing happen, what's playing out in front of our eyes is deeply biblical. It's tremendously prophetic and very spiritual. And this particular war will continue until Jesus returns. Let me tell you why. Because anything close to the heart of God, Satan hates and will contest. He will contest. He hates anything that God loves and he seeks to destroy anything God creates. Now, we know that the covenant that I'm talking about today is the first covenant. And thankfully, we live under a new covenant. And today, we are free because of the new covenant of Christ and the salvation that he brings. Amen. Aren't you grateful for that? But how many recognize that that covenant is also under attack? And that's why Satan comes against your family. That's why he attacks your freedom and your marriage and your children. And that's why he's always after God's people. It's the same thing. And so in the aftermath of this horrific attack. What Carrie and I saw, is hard to, it's hard to process because what we felt and what we saw was nationwide sadness. Now I want you to try to understand what the feeling is there in Israel. Because on that Saturday morning, 1400 Jews were slaughtered. 200 plus Jews, even some Americans and citizens from around the world were taken as hostages. Now, I want to try and put that in perspective for you, because we know that Pearl Harbor, 3,000 Americans died. We know at 9-11, 2,000 Americans died. But to understand and try to put this in perspective, the nation of Israel is a nation of 9 million people. The United States is a nation of 320 million. And so to to try to put this in perspective, what took place on Saturday, October 7th would be would be like America losing 40,000 people in the attack on 9-11, plus hostages, men, women, and children being taken and held. And so as Carrie and I are walking around Jerusalem, and as we're, we're trying to visit some of the most sought after locations in the world, we're going to places that people from all over the world travel to visit. And we are doing it alone. A few days earlier, if you had to visit the, the garden tomb, you would have been waiting in line because there would have been a line of about 2,500 people wanting to see the garden tomb. Carrie and I went there. We were the only people there. No one was outside. Nothing was open. The nation was in traumatized mourning. What's so interesting, and Carrie shared this with me, as we were inundated with all of this news. Carrie had come across something. and it, was, it dealt with Hamas. Say Hamas. And as she began to share with me, I, I began to realize, oh my God, this is so deeply prophetic. It's so, it's such an amazing revelation I wanted to share it with you today. Hamas, and what you'll hear about Hamas is that it's a political, um, it's a Palestinian acronym for the Islamic resistance movement. It's also an Arabic word that means zeal. And so when you hear about Hamas, that's typically what you'll hear. So all the headlines that we're constantly hearing is about Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. But what I also learned this week is that Hamas is also a Hebrew word. It's actually a word that we can find in scripture, and it first appears in Genesis during the times of Noah. And the Bible says in Genesis 6:11 that the earth was so corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. That word violence in the original Hebrew language is Hamas. Hamas is the Hebrew word for violent evil. The word filled could be replaced with possessed. So actually, when we read about the times of Noah, the Bible is actually saying that the earth was possessed with Hamas. Let me tell you what Hamas is. Hamas is not a group of people. It's a demonic spirit. It's a spirit of violence and evil. And in the times of Noah, the earth was filled with it. It's a demonic principality of violence that is antichrist. It's at work in our world. It's at work not only right now in the Middle East. It's also at work here in our nation. And it's intentionally motivated to attack and destroy the covenant of God. Take the land, destroy the people, and redefine who the Lord is. It's been at work since the days of Noah. And what did God do with everyone that was filled with the spirit of Hamas, he flooded the earth and destroyed them. And that, that, that demonic spirit that possessed all of the people in Noah's day and caused them to be destroyed, they were at war. That Hamas spirit was at war, not, not with people. It was at war with a different spirit called the Holy Spirit. And so, not only were they filled with Hamas in the days of Noah, but as you study God's Word, you're going to see that Scripture refers to so many different groups of people that had Hamas: the Chaldeans and the Babylonians in Jeremiah 31:5, the Shechemites in Judges 9:34, and the Egyptians in Joel 3:19. All are being described as being filled with Hamas as they attack the people of God. The point is, is that people come and go. Generations come and go, but listen, the principalities remain the same. Are you hearing me today? The spirit of Hamas is always working through nations. It's always working through governments. It's always working through people to possess the land, to destroy God's people, and redefine who the Lord is. Hamas is a demonic and powerful warrior spirit, and so when you see Hamas being celebrated, When you see it being celebrated globally, understand what's going on. It's worship to a demonic spirit. It's spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. It's a principality. It is a power, and it's operating in high places. It's also interesting that the first time we see Hamas was in the days of Noah. But in Luke 24, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the son of man be so what's really going on what, what are we really looking at here see for the first time in 50 years the nation of Israel is at war and it places us in a very horrible situation I recognize that it's deeply troubling for Christian people it's, it's troubling for anyone who has the heart of God because right now, air, uh, airstrikes are coming and raining down on the Gaza Strip. Airstrikes are landing on civilian buildings and targets. There's two million people in the Gaza Strip. It's one of the most densely populated areas on the planet Earth. And right now, they have no, no access to food. They have no access to water. They don't have access to medical supplies. The internet's been shut off. And the Israeli army is preparing to take a ground attack in there. The only thing Israel's waiting for right now is for innocent civilians to leave. They've dropped pamphlets all over the Gaza Strip telling people, we're coming in, we're gonna destroy Hamas, and you need to leave. The problem is, is that Egypt won't open its borders to them. And they have nowhere to go. Not to mention, Hamas won't let them go. let me tell you why. Because Hamas doesn't care about those people. It's a religion of death, and guess what? It's gonna get very bloody. Let's just be honest. We don't have the stomach for it. We, 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 we don't have the stomach for it. We don't like to see it. And I understand that as people of God, this is very difficult. But, but I'm going you right now, this situation isn't going away and it's not gonna be resolved quickly. And what we do know is that the Palestinian people are people that God knows and that God loves. We know that God loves people on both sides of this conflict, but the truth is they both need Jesus. Listen, 2% of Palestinians are Christians, but only 2% of, uh, 2% of Israeli people are Christians. So this is not it's not what we what we're talking about here but until jesus is the lord of them both there cannot be reconciliation and there won't be peace the only answer is for everyone to bow, bow their knee to jesus so this is a lose lose situation and let me try to de- try to describe it for you if Israel doesn't strike back, they lose because Hamas will continue to attack. Why? Because they want the land, they want the lineage, and they want to redefine who the Lord is. And who are they? They're the, pal- they're, they're the descendants of Ishmael. And they will continue to plot and attack. And if Hamas is not contested, other nations will join with them. Other nations that are also descendants of Ishmael will join in to eradicate the Jewish population. But here's the other side of the coin. If Israel does strike back like what they're doing right now, innocent people will die. They'll die. And what that will lead to is protests around the globe blaming Israel for this war. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing thousands of people join together in France to the point where they have to shut their entire country down to get control of it. You've got 30,000 people marching in Britain. You've got, you got all of these groups throughout the United States protesting for Hamas. Universities in our nation rising up pro-Palestinian. Death to Israel, pro-Hamas demonstrations. The social justice movement. Even Black Lives Matter. They, t- they put a picture up of, of uh, signaling their, their their support of Hamas as their picture illustrated the gliders that would, that would go in and slaughter innocent people. Just yesterday, a rabbi in Detroit, a beautiful young woman was stabbed to death for no apparent reason in an anti-Semitic act of violence. Let me, let me, let me try to explain to you the way Hamas does its warfare. They know these people Hamas knows they have no chance in a war against Israel. And so what they're trying to do is create global empathy. That's what they're trying to do. And so they attack and then they hide. They attack and then they hide. And so their operations are being conducted in schools, in hospitals, and in mosques. They've built underground bunkers. And they've taken hostage, hostages under schools, under hospitals, and under mosques. Their weapons sit on top of schools, on top of hospitals and mosques. They've created a human shield of civilians. So no matter what Israel does, they lose. They lose. And here's the thing, these people, people are capable to do the most inhumane, the most evil, violent acts to the human body that you've ever seen or thought about. They currently have over 200 hostages, including Americans. And so Israel is under this spot that they're going to lose, they'll lose either way. If they don't attack, they're going to be destroyed. If they do attack, the whole world will cry injustice. And so for those of us that have the heart of God, we know that there's terrorists there, but we also understand that there are innocent civilians there, including Christians, and they can't leave. And they're in a very difficult situation. It's a lose-lose. And so as the people of God, what do we do? Well, we got to pray for peace. We gotta ask God for for mercy. We gotta pray for innocent civilians. We gotta pray for the people on both sides of the conflict because they're all in harm's way. But back to the story. Sarah, Hagar, Isaac, Ishmael. There's conflict in the home because Abram is the father of two sons, only one covenant. There's conflict between the sons. There's conflict between the wives. And Sarah decides, I'm kicking this lady out of my house. And so in Genesis 16, Sarah says to Abram, I screwed up and it's your fault. That's basically what she says. Does that sound familiar to any husbands in the house? <laughs> he says, I gave, She says, I gave my maid to you. And when she saw that she had conceived, now I became despised. What is she saying? I invited Hagar into the home, and with Hagar came the spirit of Hamas. The, the Hamas spirit that was in the days of Noah before this came into Abram's home with Hagar, and the conflict started in that home between the Hamas spirit and the Holy Spirit. And so Abram was left the choice. I have to choose. I got to make a choice between the Hamas spirit and the Holy Spirit in my home. And so he chooses Sarah and Isaac. He chooses God. He chooses the Holy Spirit and he cast out like a demon, Hagar and Ishmael along with that Hamas spirit. Now we believe that God's word is our blueprint, do we not? And so the Bible doesn't just tell us what happened. The Bible tells us what always happens. Are you hearing me today? So we don't look at the Bible. We look through the Bible to determine what's happening in our world. And so the battle that was going on in Abram's home back then is the same battle that exists today in Abram's homeland. It's the Hamas spirit versus the spirit of God. And they cannot, they will not ever coexist. And so this is not political. This is, this is deeply prophetic and, and it's, it's not going to be solved because some, some political idiots get together and talk about it. And so I pray for the peace of Israel. And I pray for the well-being of the Palestinians. What we need to see is revival on both sides of the fight. That's what we need to see. That all of them, that God loves them all, that all of them would come to know the Lord Jesus. But when you see the descendants of Ishmael doing violence on God's people, that's Hamas. It lived in Ishmael, it existed in Egypt, it worked through the Babylonians, it was present in the Romans, it was present in the Ottomans and the Nazis, and it's not hiding today. Here's what the senior Hamas official said on Friday the 13th, Mahmoud al-Zahar. He said this, the entire 510 million square kilometers of planet earth shall come under a system where there is no injustice and no oppression, no Zionism, no nation of Israel, and no treacherous Christianity. The leader of Hamas said that. Hamas is a terrorist organization funded by Iran. Iran is not shy in what it states. And it is said for a long time that their stated objective is to destroy Israel and wipe it off the face of the map. They've signaled that they're developing a nuclear weapon, and we know that they are. In the, in the past, they've, they, 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 they've, they've said they're going to use it to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. And just to think, our wonderful government just gave them six billion dollars and left billions in weapons for them to use at their disposal. And then after the Hamas attacked in Iran in their parliament building, they were chanting death to America and death to Israel. One of the leaders of Iran was asked, is it possible to witness a world without America and without Zionism? And he said, you should know that this slogan and this goal are altogether attainable and surely can be achieved. The regime that is occupying Jerusalem must be wiped off the map. Listen, Hamas is not hiding its intention. Isn't it interesting? It always comes back to Jerusalem. The Bible predicted that all of the end times events would would surround this small, tiny, insignificant sliver of land around Jerusalem. It's the focal point of the end times. In Zechariah 12, God says, I'll make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. And on that day, I will make Jerusalem an unmovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they'll only hurt themselves. So right now, all the nations that, that's prophesied here, they're all surrounding Israel. You have Hamas within Israel borders. You have Hezbollah to the north. You've got Iran. All of these people hate the Jews. They want to destroy them. Meanwhile, Turkey and Lebanon and Syria and Saudi Arabia all are standing with these terrorists. Just yesterday, Yemen sent missiles and attack drones toward Israel that the United States warships intercepted. Turkey had shot missiles and attack drones that US warships have shot down. Nations around the globe, are you guys paying attention to this? Nations around the globe are celebrating this attack on Israel, even at American universities, those God forsaken college campuses that are trying to indoctrinate our children, are chanting for Hamas. And along with them, their social justice movements and major news media outlets, even American politicians like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. These these vile, wicked, you know what I'm talking about today. And here's the truth. The problem is is that so many people don't read their Bible. And they don't understand uh, biblical history and biblical prophecy, and they fail to recognize that what's happening right now is significant to the end of the world. The Bible tells us that in the end times, it's prophesied that Israel would be scattered and then regathered. Now, who would have thought that after Jesus came 70 years later, that the Romans would completely destroy Israel and send them all around the world? They were scattered all over the world. They had no, there was no Israel. For 2,000 years, no Israel. But in 1948, after the Holocaust, after six, six million Jews were, were killed under the leadership of Hitler, the world decided to grant Israel back its original land. And the land of Israel on May 14th, 1948, was given back, including Jerusalem, was given back to its rightful owner the land that was promised by God, after God promised would be scattered, they were regathered back to the promised land. The Bible prophesied that this would happen. And when it happened, no one one ever saw that coming. No one ever expected that. But when it happened, it began the countdown to the return of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible also prophesies that after Israel is regathered, that it would be attacked. And we know that it has been. There's been wars. Even the day that they were given the land, there was no attack against them. And then we know there was the Six-Day War and the Suez Crisis and then the Yom Kippur War and many others. But in Ezekiel 37 and 38, the Bible speaks about a great war. A great war. It, It talks about a large... Nation from the north attacking Israel. Maybe you put a map, put that up there. I tried to, it's very hard to find a map that kind of shows all of this. But I just want to show you where Israel is. It's right there. It's that little speck of green. That's what we're talking about. And you just look around what's surrounding Israel. They're surrounded everywhere they look with their enemies. Everywhere they look. But in Ezekiel 37, the Bible speaks about a great war a war to end all wars. It talks about a large force that would come from the north and attack Israel. And it identifies this, this particular force as Magog. And Magog, in ancient times, sat at the exact place where Russia is located. Are you, are, you, are you following me today? And in this text, in Ezekiel 37 and 38, it says that Magog would be joined with Persia. Persia is what is known as today as modern-day Iran. And so the question is, when you look at the the map, you realize that just north of Israel is Russia. But why would Russia ever want to invade Israel? Well, the Bible says in Ezekiel 38 that Magog or Russia would be joined together with Persia or Iran. And, And so here's the Bible predicting these things. Now, I'm not sure how this is all gonna play out, but not once in 2,500 years has Russia ever been connected to Iran until just recently because Russia needs a little help in their their war with Ukraine, and they just signed billion-dollar deals to sell missiles to Iran, and in return, Iran would provide them with uh, weaponized drones for them to use in the Ukraine war. And so now, for the first time ever, there's an alliance that's been formed with Iran and Russia, just like the Bible talks about in Ezekiel 37. So, what if... We know Iran has funded this whole thing of Hezbollah and Hamas. What if Israel says, you know what, just like we attacked Afghanistan after 9-11, what if Israel says, you know what, we're gonna attack Iran? Well, then all of a sudden, just like in Ezekiel 37, where the Bible says that Magog will will have a hook in its jaw pulling them into battle. What if, if if, if Israel was to attack Iran Even if Russia doesn't want to be a part of it, they're connected to it because they've created an alliance with the enemies of Israel. Is that what's going to happen? I have no idea. I have no idea. Do we, do we know this is how it's going to play out? I'm probably totally wrong, but here's the truth. If you see Russia getting involved, it's on, it's about to pop off. That's just the truth. And we could be looking at, and I'm not saying this is what it is, but we could be looking at the ward and all wards. It's all gathered around this little tiny spot. Why? Because it's always been about the promised land, the promised people, and who is God? What should we be doing? Because of all this, what, what is our responsibility? Well, Jesus said that when these things begin to happen, he says, I want you to look up. Look up, lift your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And so we don't know how this is gonna play out. But we do know that there's a promise that was given to Israel. And that's what I wanna to talk to you about right now, and we're gonna close. Israel's promise that I'm referring to is not the Abrahamic covenant. But Israel's promise was declared by Jesus, that just like he made his way In his triumphal entry into Jerusalem to give give himself as a ransom for you and I, Jesus promised to return the exact same way. Only this time he would land on Mount Olives. And that mountain, the Bible prophesies, will split in two in Zechariah 14. And the Bible says that water's gonna flow east and west, east over all of the graves that are right in front of the Mount of Olives, springing to life all of, those, all of the dead. And, and, and the water's gonna flow to the west, which behind the, the mountain is the Dead Sea, and that sea won't be dead any longer. Amen. And he will enter, he will, he will begin to walk down the Mount of Olives. He'll walk right past the Garden of Gethsemane. He'll walk through the Kidron Valley and he'll enter in and he'll enter into this gate can you just back up one, one, one picture go back one picture please it's this gate that's the east gate it's the gate that Jesus entered in when he, did, when he was going to give his life he entered the city through the east gate it's prophesied the Messiah will come again he'll come through the gate of mercy the eastern gate and you can read about it in scripture but what's crazy is that gate's been shut up just like the bible prophesied Today, there's a close-up of it. There's 16 inches of cement that have sealed that gate because there was fear that the coming Messiah would enter through, and to somehow stop them, they've sealed it up. It's remained sealed to this day, but I'm here today to tell you that Jesus is gonna walk through there. He's going to walk through there. What sits just on the other side of that, of that, of that gate? What sits there is the Dome of the Rock and the Al Aqsa Mosque, and they will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's going to return on a white horse. He's not coming on a mule. He's not coming in humility. He's coming in glory. And right now, what we are witnessing is Bible prophecy before our very eyes, which brings me to our text, and I'm sorry I've gone over today. First Thessalonians chapter five. The Bible says that you know quite well that the coming of the Lord will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. This attack that we just witnessed gave us a glimpse of what that could look like because no one expected for it to happen. It just happened like a thief in the night when people are saying everything is peaceful. It's all good. Which right before I went to Israel, the big news was they were about to sign the largest peace treaty they've ever had with Saudi Arabia. That there was going to finally be peace in the region. But the Bible says that disaster will fall on them suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pain begin. And that's exactly what we witnessed. And the Bible says there'll be no escape. But then it continues. It says, but for God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we are awake or asleep that we might live with him. Therefore, he says, encourage one another and build each other up like you are doing. So where is this all headed? Let me tell you where it's headed. We're headed to the return of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, describes it. It says that the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are alive, and left, we'll be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, come on, focus on that for a second. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I don't know about you, but I'm looking, listen, when Jesus returns, we're going to see him face to face. We're going to be at that place. Some of you say, I'm never going to Israel. Yes, you are. If you're a believer, you're going to be there. You're gonna be worshiping Jesus face to face. Come on, we're gonna rule and we're gonna reign with him forever. We will always, come on somebody, we will always be with the Lord. Come on, is anybody looking forward to that? And then he says in verse 18, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. I came to encourage you today. You see, because the birth pains and the last days and the wars and the conflict and what we're witnessing, for the world, it's, this is all like the end of the world for everybody else. But for you and I, it's exciting. You know, I shared a video with you guys while we were in the middle of this crisis, and I said, we're so excited to be here. Do you guys remember that? We're so excited to be here. I took some heat on social media because. People couldn't understand how I could be excited about something so horrific. I wasn't excited because people are, because there was a war going on. I was excited because I, I could feel, I could feel that God's doing something right now. That what I've always studied and thought about and considered, that I'm, I'm, I'm living in it right now. And I was excited because, because yes, what was happening was so traumatic and so scary and unbelievably horrifying. But at the same time, I was encouraged because I knew, listen, my redemption draws nigh. That Jesus is coming, and so I have a great hope. And I know I joined with many of you today that we have a great hope that we'll see Jesus, that we'll be reunited with loved ones that have gone before us, that we'll be forever with the Lord. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more death. Everything that the world is crying for will finally arrive because justice won't come in any other form other than at the throne of Jesus. And so today I want to give an opportunity right at the end of this message and you say, man, the thought of Jesus coming freaks me out. Well, the question I would ask you is, are you ready for that? Are you ready? The Bible says that every eye will see Do you know that right now, we're living a day and age where every eye can see. I used to think every eye could see, but what about the people who are sleeping and live on the other side of the planet? When Jesus comes, how will we see that? It's not possible. It's around the globe. How's that possible? Well, today we live in a day and age where every eye can see. You guys were watching in real time what we were experiencing in Israel. Every eye will see. We are living in what was prophesied. And the question is are you ready for the return of the Lord because if you're ready you're encouraged by this it's there's something about it that's even a little exciting about this but maybe today you're saying man I'm not excited I'm freaked out because I don't know if I'm ready listen you can be ready right now you can be ready right now maybe all over this room I'd give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus because Jesus came and he brought with him a promise it's a new covenant promise that because of our sin we were rejected from God outsiders walking dead but because of Jesus and his sacrifice because of what he did on the cross because he was placed in that tomb and rose again three days later because of that we, we enter into a new covenant where our sins can be washed away and we inherit the righteousness of Christ and because we're right with him we can join with him and maybe you're in this room and you say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna make sure that I'm ready for his return. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Listen, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer and believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again. The Bible says you'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from wrath. You'll escape, you'll escape that judgment. Anyone in here today, you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I want to be ready for His return, if that's you, all over this room, would you just lift your hand? Anyone at all? I'd love to pray with you today. I'd love to pray with you today. Anyone at all? All over this place? Anyone? Side to side? Front to back? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? You want to, you want to give your life to God? You say, maybe you're sitting here today, you say, I'm not ready for His return. Well, you can be. Is there anyone here today? You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. Amen. Now, I want to challenge. Our church because we're ready for his return but there's an entire world that's not and we have an obligation and a job to do don't we to tell our family to tell our friends with urgency that Jesus is coming back how many of you would just stand today and say you know what I want to do that I'm gonna do that Lord we thank you today Lord, will we pray together today? Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray for the people that you love. or oh, the people all over this planet that you love. Lord, every nation, every nationality, every person, every, every Jewish person, every Gentile. Lord, every, every person on the face of this earth you love, you gave yourself for. Lord, you don't, you're not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name for the people of this planet that don't know you. I pray for a great revival to sweep this nation. I pray for a great revival to sweep through our city, through our neighborhoods, Lord, through our schools, through our workplaces, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for the coming revival that you prophesied. Lord, let us be at the front of that. Lord, let us not miss what you want to do in this hour. Let us not, let us not miss what you're trying to do in this time. Lord, we pray right now. Would you pray right now for Israel? God, we pray. May God, for, for a people that you love. God, for a promise that you made to Abram. Lord, a people, Lord, that would come about the Savior of the world. God, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for the people, Lord, that you used to usher in Christ. Lord, we pray for them, Lord, they don't know you. Lord, they've been deceived. Lord, buddy, we know that it's prophesied. Lord, that there'll be a great revival amongst the Jewish people. Lord, let it begin now in Jesus' name. Lord, let them call out to you. Let them recognize you, Jesus, as the Savior. Lord, let them recognize you as, as the Messiah. Lord, the coming King. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that there be repentance, Lord, God, throughout the land of Israel in Jesus' name. Rather, right now, come on, would you pray with me today? Come on, pray for them, Lord. Lord, in the midst of their agony and their torment and the chaos, Lord, their surrender with. Lord, I pray they would turn to you. God, they'd recognize you, Jesus, Yeshua, King of kings, and Lord of lords, God, that they bow their knee, God, and they worship you, God, the one true God, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, God, for all the people, Lord, the Palestinians in harm way today. Lord, I thank you today, Lord, God, Lord, that you can reach them, Lord. God, that you can show yourself to them, God. Lord, would you spark a revival amongst them, God. Lord, that many Palestinians, Lord, would cry out for your help, Lord. Lord, would cry out for mercy, God. Lord, that you'd spare their lives, God. Lord, that you'd save them alive, God. Lord, I thank you today, Lord God. We celebrate the salvation, Lord God, of the Arab nations, Lord. We're praying for a great revival, Lord. Lord, that they would reject the That the false religion of Islam, God, though that they would recognize God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be the true God, and that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, let revival sweep the United States of America. Lord, it's been lulled to sleep, God. That's that's begun to believe the lies and accepted this Hamas spirit. We pray for the Holy Spirit, God, to reign and rule in this land. In Jesus' name, we pray, and every. in this congregation with a loud shout says amen let's give the Lord some praise confess that you are king and Lord God we thank you Lord that our hearts already recognize this fact thank you Lord I pray that the world would know God I pray you use us open our eyes God to the urgency of the hour help us understand that your redemption our redemption draws nigh that your return is near God help us to understand and live our lives accordingly knowing what you know today. I just feel in my heart I feel there's some changes that need to be made in how we live. How, how many of you feel a little bit of a, a check of the Holy Spirit right now? I feel like right now, that's what I feel in my spirit right now, that God's dealing with some of you and the way that you're living right now in light of what's happening, you can't go on doing that anymore. You can't go on Living that way, spending that way, anymore? How many of you have, feel that right now in your spirit? You say, you know, I'm gonna, there's, some, there's some changes. There's some. I need to make some. I, Lord, right now, I pray help us, God, to live, to live like the hour demands. Lot, not not to. You know, it's really interesting. I'll share this and we'll go. I really, I really wanted to get some souvenirs. In Jerusalem, you know I was planning to bring stuff back, but i couldn 't because there was nothing open. The only thing that we really brought back was this little we, we went to Nazareth it was the first day we were there. We went to Nazareth, and they were showing us how the people lived and at the end of the tour as a gift, they gave us something that they made on site, like in biblical times, and what they gave us was a small oil lamp so today before we left I, I was walking out of our house and it's just a little tiny oil lamp and I saw these lamps in the, in the, in the places we visited that, that had been brought up from the ground you know, that, that had been made and they were exactly the same they were the same size the same shape and, and people would carry around these lamps and Jesus talked about wise virgins and foolish virgins that the, the oil in their lamps went out and they weren't prepared for the bridegroom's return. And I was reminded about that as I was leaving today, as I looked at that small little clay olive, I mean, clay um, oil lamp, that we've gotta prepare and live like Jesus is coming and not get caught up in all of the peripheral stuff, junk that doesn't matter, but we need to live our lives like the hour demands. We need to be ready. Look up, Jesus says. Your redemption draws nigh. Come on, can we keep that in our minds? Come on, keep that in our hearts. Amen. I love you guys so much. Have a great Sunday. God bless you guys.